Huh? Nope. That just earned me 10 free reminders without you getting annoyed with me. That, right now, that literally, I get 10 free times to say, did you remember that? And you can't be annoyed. You're not agreeing. Why aren't you agreeing? Nope. Day of atonement. That's what you, that's what we just read. That's what you need. <laughs> so we're in the middle of a series called, uh, of cultural liturgy. So where we live, the air we breathe in the U.S., here in Boise, right, we are surrounded by practices, rituals, habits that communicate values, that communicate identity to us, that communicate a set of expectations, right? Just living and growing up in the 21st century in the United States, there are certain expectations for what it means to be a dad or a mom or a husband or a child or a student or a teacher. We're not even aware of all the messaging we are getting, right? So when I say liturgy, you can just think of like a cultural practice or a cultural habit, right? It becomes so part of us that we don't even realize. Then you travel somewhere else and you're like, oh, this culture has a totally different set of practices or a way of doing something, a different set of expectations. It almost makes you aware of how much you're accepting without realizing it, right? So one of the cultural things that I find to be true in my own life, maybe not for you, we live in a culture that's dominated by the fear of lawsuit. Would you agree with that? So like almost any profession, there is a, there is a great fear of being sued. If you're an educator, you are, you're afraid, right? If you're trying to work with an IEP, like are we meeting this? Are we, is the family going to sue? If you're in medicine, lawsuit. If you're in social services, lawsuits, right? We are so inundated with it that this fear, this like very legitimate fear, makes it so that we can't actually... Take responsibility for things. We're not allowed. Like, legal counsel would suggest you not admit fault. Correct? Like, don't, if once you admit fault in writing, in an email, whatever, now you're in trouble. Now you're going to lose. Now you're going to have to pay. The litigiousness, the litigious society we live in, this idea that I shouldn't take fault occurs even when I've been directly harmed. So like our criminal justice system. If I've been harmed by someone, the system is designed so that I don't ever come in contact with the person that hurt me, right? So like the police will deal with it, a judge will deal with it, the lawyers will deal with it, but there's never a time when they can actually say they're sorry to me, and in fact, their defense attorney would tell them not to, because then they would be admitting fault. But that means that we can never have any kind of reconciliation, there can never be a place where we can like say we're sorry and offer forgiveness. The whole system's designed to separate the two. The very culture we live in makes me feel defensive. I don't need much help in this area, by the way. Because pretty quickly you can get from the environment I work in, the environment that is created by my bosses, even this church, right? So we're doing a project in the back. So if you leave, you can see the back area. We have a, a lot. We're building two units of affordable housing back there, which I'm so happy about. It's going to happen eventually. COVID won't stop it. It can only delay it. So it's going to happen, right? But in the midst of this, we have to work with our neighbors, right? We want to be good neighbors. That's important to us. We don't want people to hate us for putting in some houses. So we've done work. But we want to put in a fence along this side and we actually had conflict with a neighbor there, uh, and I wanted to be able to work it out because it feels like it's our property, so if we want to put up a fence to give privacy to our new homes, we should be able to do that. 
He wants to be able to access the back of his property, etc. And after like two brief attempts to figure it out, lawyers. It's like immediate. Well, I mean, I don't know if you look around this church like we're not really made of money, not really flush with lawyer cash, right? But that's what happens. That's the world we live in. So then it's immediate. And the first thing they said to me is, don't acknowledge it's an easement. Don't acknowledge, like, don't say this, don't say that. It's a driveway, which it is, right? It's like this driveway. And immediately, I couldn't speak to this neighbor like a normal person. It was combative. So this environment seeps into our everyday relationships. So you ask Kel <laughs> when the last time she got a legitimate apology from Joe Bankard, she's going to have to do some thinking. I'm real great at saying things like, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> I'm not proud of this. I'm not, I'm, I'm, this, is my, this is my confession. <laughs> uh, I'm really good at uh, like saying I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, right? Well, yeah, of course, if you meant to, that would make you a jerk, right? Often we do this accidentally, but I don't want to acknowledge this. I resist it. I'm defensive. But I live in a world that kind of encourages this, right? We don't live in a world that encourages transparency. We don't live in a world that encourages confession. We don't live in a world that encourages repentance, So last week, I talked about drawing our circle of responsibility wider. I like to have a small circle of responsibility, things I'm actually responsible for, because it allows me at the end of the day to check all of my to-do list off, and I can say, I did it. I, 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 I succeeded. All my responsibility is done. But I think the level of responsibility I actually have is much wider, right? If God says, I'm responsible for my neighbor, Every face, every human face I come into contact with that might be suffering, that might need a friend, that might need a smile, now I can't possibly check off every box. My level of responsibility is larger than I will be able to accomplish, or any of us. This forces me to get out of the mindset of perfection, I can get it all done, to one of I can't and I just have to rely on God's grace, knowing that I'm not going to get it all done knowing that it's not going to happen. I can't possibly meet all of the needs of the people in my life, my students, parishioners, family, friends. I can't. I need grace. Do you see how counterintuitive that is to just say, I wake up and say, I'm not enough. I will fail today. That's very different. I think this is the mindset of Scripture. This is like the mindset of Christianity. We live and breathe daily God's grace because we're not enough and we can't be enough and, that, and things will be left undone and we're going to have to be okay with that. But it starts with me saying it out of my mouth, like confessing that I'm not enough, that I leave things undone, right? That there are people for whom I'm responsible for that I won't be able to meet their needs. Like I just have to say it. So this is in part what we read in Leviticus. So the, the Leviticus law here starts something that continues to this very day. 
a thousands-year-old tradition of the Day of Atonement. So it starts, right, going in and offering a, a set of com confessions for the nation of Israel, for repentance, right, so that we can be reconciled to God. We have fallen short. We've not done what we should have done. We've sinned, right? So uh, it starts here. It eventually moves to the high priest. We'll offer annually confession and repentance for the nation of Israel. And now today, you can skip the scripture, Saul. You can go to the Day of Atonement slide. Today, Judaism celebrates Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that literally started thousands of years ago in Leviticus 16 that we read. It still happens every year. For many Jews, it is the high holy day. Like this is, you don't eat. This is Sabbath. You don't work. There are five times of prayer, and it is today, Yom Kippur, prayers of repentance, prayers of confession, prayers with a desire to be reconciled to God in the midst of our lack, to the, in the midst of our not being enough. But instead of resisting that, I'm asking us to accept it. We just aren't enough, and we will fail the people we love and care about daily. I will think more about my own interests than my children. I will do that. I will act on my own desire for rest, which might be needed. I'm not opposed to having healthy boundaries, and self-care is a great thing. I'm so grateful to Amanda for sharing that she needs to like, take care of herself. That happens. And even if she didn't, even if she did everything she could for other people, she still wouldn't be enough. And there'd still be more needs. And the problem still wouldn't be solved. We breathe in grace and we breathe out grace. We breathe in God's grace for ourselves and we breathe out grace for others. And we have to live in that place. And it starts by saying, we're going to embrace the Day of Atonement. We're going to confess where and when we fall short. And sometimes those are actions. Like I can think of like actual actions where I've hurt people, where I've done things I shouldn't. Some of you are doing things now that you are hiding, that you're lying to yourself about, that you shouldn't be doing, that you know you shouldn't. Confession becomes the way you are set free. You bring those things to light. And I'm not suggesting you have to share it in public, but you gotta share it with someone. You gotta confess to the person you're hurting, to the person you're doing it to. I'm happy to go to coffee. You can talk to me. You don't need to. You go to God. But we, I think saying the words matters, right? This is what atonement looks like. I fall short. But it might not be specific things. It might, it might be for like dispositions like my arrogance. That requires confession. My greed, that requires confession, right? There are actions, there are dispositions. But here's the thing. There's like literally like steps we can take. We say, I confess, I acknowledge, I, I own. And then that's confession. Then you have repentance. That's the second step. Repentance is, and I'm going to try to be different. I'm going to try not to do that in the future. I'm going to try to work on my pride or my greed or my insecurity. I'm going to work on it, right? I'm going to change. That's repentance. And in the end, Scripture says you confess and you have a heart of repentance, then God's going to breathe grace and forgiveness onto you. But if I pretend like I can get everything done, that I haven't done anything wrong, if I live into the culture that says don't ever take fault, 
Be afraid of what saying you've done something wrong might do to you. If I live into that, then I have to hide it. I bury it. That's when it ruins me. That's when it eats my soul. The Day of Atonement is about setting you free. It's not to make you do something that's awful. It's giving you an opportunity to be free from this, to say, I'm going to say it, I'm going to acknowledge it, I'm going to work to change it, and I'm going to allow people and for God to forgive me. How could there possibly be reconciliation unless we acknowledge we've hurt one another, that we've created separation? So Yom Kippur is not just for practicing Jews. Yom Kippur is part of our tradition as Christians, right? We embrace the Hebrew Bible as much as the New Testament. And so uh, we're going to practice today. And it's going to be risk-free. You're welcome. I thought it would be really weird to have people just stand up and start sharing stuff. So you have in your bulletin a blank piece of paper. You have like a sheet there, right? And I want you to consider what you might confess. You're not going to give it to anybody. You're not going to give it to me. No one's going to see it. You can fold it up and you can throw it away on the way out. You can burn it later. The act of writing it, of putting it into the world, has power, right? Again, these might be for things you have actually done to yourself, to other people. They might be dispositions for which you know are hurtful to other people that create separation. But I'm going to give you a moment to think about this, right? And what you might write to actually get it out, to actually say what I confess. Repentance is looking at that and saying, and I think I can work to be different. I think I can change. I think I can grow. What might that look like? During Amanda's story, she talks about saying, I had to learn to be true to who I was, and I had to go to counseling, and I had to start treating myself as well as my dog by my self-talk, like, you're a good person. You deserve rest. You deserve play. She needed to figure out what does change look like. She had to, she had to confess that she didn't treat herself well. That's real. Right? It's not just what I do to other people, it's what I do to myself. Do you know the power that speaking this into reality has? The power of acknowledging our failures? When you realize, as I have over time, that when I say I'm sorry, the world doesn't end. When I make a mistake and I'm like, I blew it, I'm really sorry. Like, the world doesn't stop turning. It's crazy. Like, the sky doesn't fall, and, the, and instead what happens is I usually hear words like, thank you, I forgive you. Oh, is, are there better words on the planet? I don't get to hear them unless I share what I've done wrong, unless I confess. So there's power in Leviticus. There's power in Yom Kippur. There's power in the truth setting us free. So let's pray. Lord, we're grateful to you. We're grateful that you offer us the gift to not hide our faults, to not hide our broken places, to not hide our failures, but you say, have the courage to share them, to go to the people we've harmed, 
that that's the first step in making real change, is to, to acknowledge that change is needed, that we are not enough. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to do this. And that we could accept in the midst of this the grace you offer. That you're not in the business of making us feel guilty. You're in the business of redeeming our lives. Amen. So if you have your elements, I mean, we talk about confession, we talk about repentance, and then we come to the table where Christ literally offers his body for our forgiveness. Right? This is all grace. To take in Christ's body, to take in Christ's blood, is to say, I know what you did to restore me, to make me whole. To take every failure that I have, every bit of which I'm not enough, all the times I've screwed up, and you've said, I love you. It's okay. We're reconciled. So your confession, what you have written, or what, you, what you're going to write in the midst of this, right? God's got you. God knows about it, and God's got you. Right? Your confession's for you. Your repentance is for you. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, and broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever.